you know, if, if you hire a lawyer who tells you that you can keep your animals, like they're lying to you and they're trying to bill you more hours, um, your next door neighbor is not at fault for you not knowing the information. I said, I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, it's not unfortunate that you're in this situation. I'm just saying the covenants have been around for 75 years. So the only thing I could do if you retain me for that issue is to buy you time, help you figure out where to, you know, take your cows so that they don't end up in a bad place, help you figure out where your horses are going to go. Welcome to the Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of the local real estate market. Join us as we chat with industry experts, uncovering tips, trends, and strategies to help you navigate Maryland's real estate landscape. Get ready to elevate your real estate game. Let's dive in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast. Today, we have Diana Khan on with us. And she has an amazing story that she is going to share with us about her and her business. Uh, so Diana, why don't you take a few moments and tell us a little bit more about you specifically and your business and all the ins and outs that you want the industry to know about you. Sure. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm getting nervous on podcasts. So hopefully I don't get like verbal diarrhea and just keep going <laughs> crazy, but it's all good. Um, talking is sort of, I guess in our business kind of gets us places. So I'm just going to kind of rant a lot. Um, so my name is Diana Khan. I actually am sort of all over the place. I am a real estate attorney and I have a solo practicing law firm. And in that law firm, I do mostly real estate law or that's how it started. And I've sort of branched out now to do estates and trusts and elder law and business law, sort of combining it all together. Um, Outside of that, I'm a real estate broker and I own three real estate brokerages, um, one in Howard County, well, two in Howard County, and then one in Baltimore County and one in Boston. The Baltimore County one just moved to Howard County. I counted four. So it's three, one in Boston, and then two in Howard County. Um, I also own a real estate title company that's in Baltimore County. <laughs> and then um, we own a property management company and we are in the process of opening uh, it's sort of like an investment flip type company to do construction on properties. Um, oh, interesting. And we are listing our first flip for sale this this week. It's coming soon and it should be coming on the market soon. So lots of things going on, I guess. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. It, is there one of the of the positions or hats that you prefer to wear over the others? Um, I really enjoy being a lawyer. I love um, everything about the law. I really enjoy going to law school. I love knowing the law, but I found that when I got out of law school, it was a little challenging to just do that because um, I worked for a really big kind of corporation and a lot of it was about billing. It was just, it wasn't doing what's right for the client, which you are doing in a sense, but it was a lot of obsession of meeting quotas and working, you know, 80, 90 hour work weeks, billable work weeks, which means for you to hit, you know, 60 to 70 billable work weeks means that you're actually working almost hundred hours. Wow. Um, so it, it was a lot of bottom line type of mentality. And while I enjoyed the law, I found that it was very difficult to help people who didn't have money or sort of were kind of in that. I just need some questions because we were just constantly focused on making the brand sort of more money. So I pivoted away from that. I had been in real estate for law school and um, I pivoted back to real estate and combined it with my law firm. And I sort of looked at my priorities. I didn't have kids at the time. And I said, you know, I want to do law, 
but I want to sort of cherry pick my clients. I want to be able to take on the cases that matter or the cases that maybe they can't pay me or, you know, it's sort of helping an issue. Um, so yesterday I actually had a client who's hiring me to do a will and I told him my pricing and he said, um, why are you so cheap? Was his question to me. <laughs> and I, I told him with a lot of positivity that I am strictly referral based. I do, you know, up until this change of the market that we saw in January, I never really sought business and I don't seek business in my law firm. Um, and I said like, you know, raising my prices to sort of meet a quota for certain people just doesn't work. And I said like, just cause you own a million dollar house doesn't mean I should charge you more than my clients who are in Baltimore city who need the same sort of care. And I've structured it that I have businesses that allow me to help people rather than just chase the monetary aspect. And it's taken some time to get there. Wow. So yeah, I, I enjoy the law. I really do. Um, I really enjoy the fact that I can pick up a phone call, give legal advice or, you know, give somebody, you know, my time for a little bit and sort of change their perspective on things. Um, you know, a really big example of that is I just got retained on another case uh, and working on it now. And it's, it's a very long winded case, but the, the crux of it was the, the person bought a house and they wanted to have a farm on it. And they bought it three years ago, spent a million dollars on it, chickens, goats, the works, like the mm -hmm. works. <laughs> um, come to find out she cannot have a farm there because there's a covenant that oh. somehow her real estate agent, her broker, everybody was just sort of forgot the color, I guess, or, you know, innocent mistake. I don't really know. Um, so she'd gone through a few lawyers and a few lawyers had sort of upped her bill and she called me. And the first thing I said to her was, I got to be very honest with you. I don't take on clients that I can't be frank with. So I'm going to tell you right now, before you retain me, your animals got to go. And she just stared at me. And I said, you know, if, if you hire a lawyer who tells you that you can keep your animals, like they're lying to you and they're trying to bill you more hours, um, your next door neighbor is not at fault for you not knowing the information. I said, I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, it's not unfortunate that you're in this situation. I'm just saying the covenants have been around for 75 years. So the only thing I could do if you retain me for that issue is to buy you time, help you figure out where to you know, take your cows so that they don't end up in a bad place, help you figure out where your horses are going to go. Um, but I'm not going to bill you to tell you that you can keep your animals. And um, she told me I was the first lawyer in the eight that she's spoken to that told her that up front. Wow. And, and we went into, you know, it, it's an active case, but we went into sort of like, where are your damages actually from? And what can we do long term to mitigate those damages? Right. Um, but it was also sort of like, where is it financially beneficial for you to actually talk about your damages versus the things that you can do? And I really enjoy being a lawyer, but I would not be able to take on cases like that if I didn't have sort of the other businesses that ventured out. So they all sort of grew together. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, most of our clients that work with us in real estate or that work for title, um, we sort of feed and market everything together. So if you are working with me as a real estate agent for my title company, um, you will get a text message from me probably within five minutes of you sending us a transaction. And if you work with us, you'll get a message that say, thank you so much for the business. What can we do to help? Or like, what is there that I need to know? If you've never worked with me before, it literally says, this is my cell phone. This is not a generic person sending you a message. Um, thanks for your, you know, 
giving us a try or, you know, buyers are going to give us a try, but I really like, you know, to have a good experience for your clients and, you know, to sort of kind of show you how that feeds into each other is one of the real estate agents who I'm actually not really good friends with. Um, she is what I would consider a top producer in Baltimore. And uh, I don't look at how much people produce. I just know her name because we've been around in the market. So I sent her a text message, same thing. It's, it's a very similar message to everybody. And she picked up the phone and called me within one minute of the message. And I picked up and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And I used her name and she said, I thought it was a bullshit message. I I didn't think it was real. (laughs) Isn't that amazing when you're just you and it shines through? Yeah. And I said, no, it's real. I'm here to help you in whatever way I can. Um, You know, obviously I'm very big on boundaries. So if you text me at 8 PM at night and we don't have a fire, I may text you back and say, I'm with my kids right now. Um, This is the quick answer. I'll look into it more tomorrow. But I do try to sort of make that available. So that agent since then has exclusively started to use me. Um, Oh, what a fabulous story. Yeah. And not only that, um, we joke a lot because, you know, we sent each other. um, Hi, Jeanette. We sent each other like a, a lyrical thing that was about like, you know, we'll bury the bodies together. And we very quickly sort of realized that it in this business you just got to do what you got to do which means that like you know sometimes you do things for free sometimes you pick up the phone at nine o'clock at night it's it's what makes you grow from lack of a better word wow that is that's an amazing story (laughs) that is so amazing i i how what is the mindset how did you get into that mindset of serving Um, others to that extent you know it's it's actually I was in real estate before and I found that the agents that are good are not good because they're discounting their fees. They're not good because, you know, they're trying to compete with, you know, the Redfin model. They're good because they know their worth and they know and recognize sort of what's good for their clients. So with that mentality, it's actually really funny. I I never wanted to be a realtor. I was a real estate broker. I did all these other things. And I sort of looked at myself and said, you know, realtors, if you look up realtor marketing, how to work your sphere, um, you know, you look up, you go to Etsy and you look up realtor digital marketing, you will not find the same thing for title companies. You won't find that for law firms. You won't find that for property management companies. But yet it sort of tells you that these other businesses are not working the sphere the same way. And Mm -hmm. And the sphere really is the realtors in this case, or, you know, the sphere really is that buyer purchasing a house is likely to maybe write a will. So I sort of took the ideas that realtors use every single day and started applying it to them. And then they were shocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, it works the same way. You, you get the same respect that a successful agent should, which is you get the respect. You maybe you do care about the bottom line of a fee, or maybe you don't. It's it really, every agent has a different requirement. Um, so you know, another story to go off of that is I had a realtor once I emailed her and I said, Hey, we just found out this issue and whatever the issue was. And I said, before I text your clients or email them about this issue, I wanted to touch base with you because I picked up that your client is sort of stressed um, in the transactions we've had. And I've never spoken to your client, just their tone of their emails. I can tell that maybe this news is going to sort of rattle them. Um, And I said, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Would you like to be that person or do you want me to be? 
And I said, you know, I don't mind being that person for you. I just want to make sure that like, if I do that, your clients are going to call you back and be like, how come I didn't hear from you? What's going on? And, you know, this agent responded back and I was like, I've never had a realtor, a title company or a lawyer ask me my preference. And I said, well, we all work different, right? Like if you need an assist, I'm there. If you would rather you handle your client because you know your client best, then I'm there for that. I don't mind doing the work, but you tell me what works for you and let's be partners together. That's, so that's sort of amazing. Yeah. So that's sort of that growth that we worked on and it was slow and it was painful. Um, and sometimes it's stressful. You, you caught me in a week where it is actually very stressful, but you know, I'm happy about it. The growth is good. I'll take it. You good. know, it's, it's, it's good. I keep, I keep telling, getting told that the market is really bad right now, but I, I'm good. So <laughs> I'll take it. I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. It's difficult for, for people that maybe don't have a daily success plan. It mm -hmm. may be difficult for people that uh, don't have a structure into their day. Um, yeah. of certain things that they're going to do. Uh, do you and or your team um, have a daily success plan or structure, uh, especially since you're uh, very referral based? Um, yeah. How do you all bring in your deals or your lead generation? So I always tell people the two things that make us very successful every single day is triage, which I know is a weird word. It's the, it, triage is the first one and pivoting is the second one. Uh, those are the two things that you have to sort of encompass in your day. And the reason I say those two things are big is because as a business, when you do the same thing over and over again, I'm going to use title, for example, is ultimately I'm doing the same thing every single time. I'm getting an abstract. I'm getting clear title. I'm sending it to the lender. We meet people for settlement. What I do is not hard, right? But what I mean by triage is you can have four different people with the same exact situation and one of them is probably falling apart over that situation, whereas the other three are absolutely fine. So triage sort of encompasses that situation of you got to figure out the points of what the clients need most that day, right? Like if you suspect that a lender you've worked with a lot is probably going to give you the wrong cash to close and you suspect that this, this you know, buyer is going to have a problem with that, ultimately, I know it's going to get to the bottom line. It's not the lender's fault. There's some issues. Maybe I make, you know, I look at my day, I triage and I say, it'll help the situation more rather than wait two days out from now when I'm doing my daily checklist of setting up their Alta to call the agents and say, hey, like, I'm not here to cause the drama. I'm just here to let you know, like, this is what I suspect is going to happen. Let's talk about the best way to do it for your client. And that mm -hmm. triage is very, you have to be adaptable and it's every day. It's very different. Um, and sometimes it's in the middle of the day. It's not in the morning. Sometimes you just... You know, I think as human beings, we see somebody call us three times in a row and we're like, text me, leave me a voicemail. Um, and I tell people who want to grow, like if somebody's calling you three times a day and you think they're calling you for a stupid reason, it's not stupid to them. And like the way you grow that business by triaging and now prioritizing that person. Yeah. Um, pivoting is, I think, the most important things work and they don't work. And if you don't look at your systems all the time, you are not doing it right. Um you know, back in December or November, I think all of us dried up for a little bit. It was a very dry moment. And I, for a visual effect, if I could have, I, I'll tell you, I was sitting in a corner somewhere, probably crying. Like I was crying in a corner. Like, I don't know if I'm going to send my kids to school next year. 
you know, I told my husband, like, I think we need to cut down on bills. Like we have savings, but those savings, I don't touch those. Like those go in right. savings. Right. So when I started looking at like, okay, like I have to touch savings or something's got to change. I got scared. I think everybody got scared. Mm. Um, so even though I'm strictly referral based, I, I sat down and I was like, what are my, you know, what are my pain points? What, where do I falter? And really where I falter is I'm so used to being referral based that if you Google me online, you can't really find much about me. My social media presence is not that great. Um, you know, people who know me speak very highly of me and people that don't, don't know me. And it's just that simple. So I said like, you know, it's gotta be a 50, 50 girl. I have to change that about myself because now that we have agents producing less business, there's less referrals in every single avenue. Um, so I, I text a friend of mine who has a brokerage in Anne Arundel County. He's, he's a small brokerage, but we've been friends since before he had kids. His oldest is 10 now. So that gives you an idea. Um, and I text him and I said, you know, I have a question for you. You have hired me to represent you in several cases. Um, you know, anytime any of your agents need a lawyer, you refer me business. And I was like, um, how come you don't use me for title? Like, what's up with that? And I said, you know, when I opened the title company, you told me you were very loyal to this other company. And you told me you really like this person. I agree with you. They're great. But how come you haven't even given me a try? I'm not asking you to dedicate your business to me, but how come I haven't gotten that one opportunity? And he responded with, I forgot you had a title company. Wow. And I stared, yep. And I stared at that message for a solid 10 minutes. And I was like, this is somebody who has been loyal to me for 10 years, who has given me more than enough business. Um, this person actually paid me to write a will for them and then got too busy and has not asked me for a refund. And it's just sort of like, yeah, we'll get to it when it, we get to it. Um, but he forgot I had a business. So I was like, all right, being strictly referral based also means that I have to sort of pivot the business according to what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I, I took my own advice and I pivoted. I started you know, I pushed social media marketing. I started doing most more postcards. I started doing the things that are sort of like back to basics that I haven't mm -hmm. done in a long time. Um, where I think some people get complacent. Like they, they just kind of like get used to what they're doing. And they're like, I haven't marketed in a long time. To me, that was a wake up call. Like, okay, like everything is drying up. There's less people producing less business, which means that I got to push more people. I have to go out to market more I have to do things that maybe I don't like so in the next two months I sent out 3,000 postcards to my own personal sphere mm -hmm. um I signed up to teach classes for the two associations that are nearby for me mm -hmm. um I <laughs> then I started sponsoring happy hours for events that I usually would call realtor prom events things that I don't normally do and I am happy to say that this is the busiest month I've had this month in uh, last three years. Congratulations. And, and now I'm pivoting again. Right. And I'm pivoting again now because, you know, now that I'm this way and I'm like, okay, all these things are working, but now I got to pivot, which is the third pillar. I think that's important is to throw money at things you're not good at. I know that's, it doesn't make sense, but when I was broke in December, I was throwing money at things that I hadn't done in a while. And I was just like, well, I'm either going to go really bankrupt or this is going to work. Um, 
so with that same mentality is I surround myself by people who a can deal with me when I'm really stressed and crying in a corner, but B also do things that I don't want to do or can't do. <laughs> I love that. And I, you know, like it, it's funny, but you know, I'm sitting in my office right now and there's a giant printer behind me. I bought it. Uh, my, my employee said, I want the best printer on the market. I cannot tell you how valuable this printer is. I know how to use it to the bare bones that I can press a green button and it's <laughs> like, that's it. And it was obscene the amount of money I spent on this printer. So um, my top manager decided to go on vacation for a couple of days and I had to handle the back office. Let me just tell you oh. that people are laughing in my face. And he made <laughs> me a little video. He walked over to the printer and showed me how to do the basics of scanning and printing and ended the video with, I believe in you, thumbs up. <laughs> keep that person right and I laughed at it because I at first I was like okay first of all I'm intelligent enough that I could like probably YouTube this video but the truth is if if I didn't have people like that to make you successful right it's like I don't have to figure out my printer because that person is worth their weight in gold even the fact that they feel comfortable enough to send me that video and make fun of me being a complete moron when it comes to electronics is so important so if I was to give any advice to anybody is figure out where your down points are and don't be afraid to put money into it so that it gets easier for you. Um, some people look at like, okay, my profit margin should be this big. To me, it's mm -hmm. like, it should be this big and then it'll get bigger because I, as I grow, there's people around me who can help me function better. That was one of my, the last questions that I had for you. Is there one secret that you would share uh, that made that, that made you the success that you are today. But I think you just shared that is throwing yeah. money at something that you're not great at um, for somebody else to do that is good at it. Yep. I, and I will say that you have to know how to do it yourself. That's, I think that is one of the mistakes. Like, yes, I know how to print on this. I can figure it out. But in other essence, sometimes I meet agents who say things like, oh, I hired an ISA or I hired this thing. Well, with me, it's sort of like you have to be prepared to do everything in your office, even if it means cleaning the toilet with a toothbrush. Like you should be able to do it. You may not be able to do it as, as good as the person you hired to do it, but you should be able to figure it out. And the reason is not just in case that person leaves or just because you piss off that person. No, you should keep those people because they help you, but you shouldn't know their jobs so you don't forget them and you don't forget what's important with that. Because I think sometimes if we don't, we haven't done it ourselves it's much easier not to look at the human factor. It's actually difficult, right? Like being an ISA can be difficult when you're on the phone all day long and making phone calls to people that maybe don't like you. And if you haven't done it yourself, then it's much easier to disconnect and be upset at people who are helping you grow when a mistake happens. So it's sort of that double-edged sword, right? Mm -hmm. Like treat your people well, but also make sure that if they leave, you can keep functioning to a certain degree. And two, so you don't lose them for any reason. Make sure you know what they actually do that encompasses the day. Do what their job is before you hire somebody to do it. And that sort of also gives you the idea that if you have done it yourself, you can fine tune the things that maybe Google tells you works, but doesn't work in your business. Like mm -hmm. um, yesterday, you know, I bought one of these like realtor lists, like, you know, people you can hold call or whatever, like one of those like extensive lists that maybe most of us have bought and just, they just sit in a corner and somebody told me, hire an ISA, they'll make the phone calls for you. So what I actually did was ask 
one of my employees to come in and we made, I think, 45 phone calls yesterday. And we ended up converting two clients. But the first phone call we made and the 45th phone call we made were completely different. And every call we made, we fine-tuned the script. And the goal was not to get the clients. The goal was to find what works for our brand and who we are so that when we ask somebody else to do it, it's not a random phone call. It's this is our brand or this is what we stand for and this is how you're going to say it because this is what we want out there. Right. That's wonderful. I find that so valuable in making the phone calls. Yeah. So just, you know, get down there, grab the toothbrush and clean the toilet. Yeah. Don't do it very often, but maybe do it once <laughs> when you start. And then, you know, I recommend maybe one more time in the next six months. I don't know. There you go. Um, is there anything that I should have asked you today that I didn't, that you would like the industry to know about you and your businesses? Um, Don't forget what you're doing it for. I know that that's a weird thing to say, but I think you know, another story is somebody tried to recruit me once to run their business. And they said, I could have you making seven times as much money as you made in the last three months, if you come run my title company and my law firm. And I think my first answer to him was, well, you're assuming that I want to make money. And I said, <laughs> you didn't, you know, you don't know, if you don't know your values, you don't know what you're working for. And everybody mm -hmm. has different values. Like, my values to me and everybody has different ones is I have three young kids and my goal is to make enough money that I can be on vacation with them or that I can, you know, turn off at eight o'clock at night and know that the world is not on fire. And those are just sort of my priorities. And if I make less money, but I can sort of have the lifestyle I want, I'm okay with that. And it's sort of finding that balance of what your goals are and how do you get there? And you should reevaluate those goals every once in a while. It's not, growth is not always money. It's not always, you know, time. It's, it's whatever you value at that moment. And it's okay to change it over time. Oh, definitely. It definitely changes as we get older and life keeps on moving. Absolutely. So if there's anybody from this podcast that wants to get in touch with you or find out more about your title company or more about the real estate brokerages that you own, um, how would you like them to get in contact with you? Would you like them to contact me or would you like them to contact you? They can contact me and I stand by what I say. So my cell number is 443-739-6724. Feel free to text, call, whatever you want. Thank you so much, Diana, for coming on here today and sharing with us a little bit about your business and what you do. Of course, no problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have All a right. great day. You too. Thank you for joining the Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast. We'd like to ask you two favors. Number one, forward this podcast to three of your favorite realtor friends. They'll thank you for it, and I'll thank you for it too. Number two, we'd love reviews. It helps get the word out. 